Yates on Sunday on News Talk. Brought to you by SSE Electricity Business Energy. Proud to power businesses all over Ireland. Energy at work for you. To start off, though, we're joined by our panel to discuss for the next hour all the stories in the morning newspapers, review and preview the week gone and the week to come. Uh, first of all, we have the former uh, secretary of the ESB Group of Unions. He was one of the key organisers of Home Sweet Home campaign. He's the Education and Politics Officer at the Unite Trade Union and a coordinator and MC yesterday of their victory march Right to Water and Right to Change campaigns. And Brendan Ogle is literally himself because he's got this award <laughs> from Oxford that's too heavy to lift. We'll be finding out about that. Alongside him is the author of four books, including Rule Breakers, which examines whether long-standing cultural attitudes to rules in Irish culture have generated soft responses to things like corruption and white-collar uh, crime. She's also the head of the sociology department at UCC, Neve Hurricane. Thank you for driving all the way up to meet us. Are you in Dub- Dublin regularly? No, I, I had a long trip this morning I so. Don't worry it'll be worth your while and on the far side of the floor here is the former Fianna Fáil TD who was first elected back in my own era of yes before the war 1987 he served as ministers for environment local government education communications uh, too many to mention but he was also minister for transport no, Noel Dempsey you signed the particular order in 2000 on the water directive you've no regrets yet? None whatsoever because um, at that time we uh, succeeded in uh, ensuring that we didn't have to charge domestic users okay. for water, much against my own we, we, uh, views on the matter. We'll come back full-blown to that. Um, just to go quickly through the front pages of the Sunday papers, the Sunday Business Post has a photograph of a beaming Ronan's return. That's Johnny Ronan. Their lead story is a follow-up to the vultures acquiring all these assets from NAMAS and Bank and so on. Fear of retail carnage as vulture funds turn screw on tenants saying places like Dundrum, Blanchardstown Centre there'll be rocketing rents. The Sunday Times goes with an international story. Russia accused of complicity in Syria war crime. Boris Johnson trying to head up a coalition to decry the Russian role. The Daily, this Irish Mail on Sunday goes with anger as Mosni Syrians, this is in a a direct provision centre in Mosni, pay more for food. Apparently in the local shop, uh, Mr McCluskey's shop, Rice Krispies cost €1.20 nine more and what I think is the most significant political story of the morning and the one I'm going to start off with is the Sunday Independent. Irish water staff get 5k bonuses as crisis deepens. It's the crisis deepening. Basically uh, it says that an email was written by Fianna Fáil Environment spokesman Barry Cowan to all TDs yesterday saying that they may not ratify in the Dáil the election of Taoiseach of a new Fine Gael leader which would obviously precipitate a general election. Noel, I, I interrupted you uh, in relation to water, but just to give us a context, first of all, you, you, you personally believe, with, a, with, with 20 plus years of experience, that there is no such thing as free water. There is no such thing as free water. People should pay for the water that they use. Uh, taxpayers are paying for it uh, at the moment. The argument is whether uh, individuals who use water should actually pay for the amount of water. Uh, that's what's been going on uh, for as long as I can remember in politics. You, I can go further back than 1987. Uh, this thing started in, in uh, 1983 when the Labour Fine Gael government 
instructed local authorities to make up money that was uh, they were short of because of the abolition of rates in 1977. That's how far back it goes. Labour in 1987 uh, decided to remove water charges because they were afraid of Joe Higgins. OK, I get the history <laughs> lesson, but right now, the people holding the balance of power are Fianna Fáil, and Fianna Fáil seemingly don't believe in householders paying for water. That's apparently the case now, uh, and that's and, and, and that's the difficulty that Fine Gael are, are facing in this uh, Do you agree with the Fianna Fáil stance? No, I don't. I, I, I believe that uh, people should pay for the water, they should especially pay for water that they use and abuse, and um, anything that I've seen, and this argument that's been going on particularly over the last two or three days, seems to be every side trying to disassociate themselves from uh, asking people to pay for water um, and uh, I think it just doesn't doesn't work. Okay, well we're joined on the line, we'll come to our panel we'll be discussing it all in detail, we're joined on the line by really the man of the moment, uh, the Fianna Fáil Environment spokesperson and the lead person in relation to thrashing out a resolution of this. Good morning Barry Cowan. Good morning Ivan, how are you? First of all, could you just clarify because this seems to be the nub of it you and Simon Coveney had a discussion on Friday the 31st of March what did you agree? I don't know if it was Friday, I think it was on the Wednesday Okay it was, it was that evening both parties informed our parliamentary parties of the progress that had been made and of the fact that we were nearing completion we were only inches away and we would hope to be back the following Tuesday to ratify the agreement I think the the big bugbear or the big ticket item for Fine Gael, to be quite honest, was the fact that I had agreed with him that the allowance would be 133 litres per person, which was the average as provided to the committee by the CEO in relation to consumption at this point. And I think when they they, they had hoped and they, in, in hindsight, would rather have had it per household. And I think that's the big bugbear and that's the what they recoiled from. But did you reach agreement with them? on things like metres in new bills? Yes, I did. And 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 they haven't recoiled from the initial agreement in relation to per person literage. We were faced with a situation whereby a majority report would not have been forthcoming from the committee without me amending my own motion in relation to the, to the new bills and meeting the other parties halfway in order for that to be the case. But I was conscious of the fact that we had legal opinion in relation to the derogation, in relation to the 2007 Act, and in relation to incremental amendments and changes to the wording contained in the document but the overriding factor is that the it's the legislation that will give effect to a lot of this and it's the legislation that will look at the way in which the 2007 Act is amended in order to cater for penalties and fines and charges beyond the point at which the user's uh, allowance had been set and that you know th- th- there's a lot of posturing here but there was an understanding and there was always an understanding that a lot of the detail associated with the implementation of the agreement and to meet the commitments one had to one had to have the legislation to give effect to that. And it's the government's duty and job to do so in full knowledge and in full, uh, you know, taking into consideration all their obligations in relation to uh, having to do that. And in the context of the here and now, and next Tuesday, the committee either voting or agreeing a report, are, do you propose to have any further talks? Or have you had any further talks well, with I mean, Simon I, Coveney? I, I'm one of five members of my own party that, that's within the committee, as have Fine Gael, as have other parties and none. And it was a process that us and Fine Gael agreed last year in order to facilitate the formation of government, in order for government to be able to deal with many other pressing items, that we knew a process had to be put in place to deal with this issue. There was an understanding then that both parties may approach this from a different perspective in relation to their policies, 
but that if agreement... Uh, Barry, my question was, are you in dialogue with Simon Coveney? I'm in dialogue within the committee, as I have been, in good faith. And that's where, that's where, the, that's where the, the, the whole process... So you're not having any conversation... I'm having no side agreements or no side talks. I'm in the committee with my fellow members, as are other parties, with a view to it now moving on to Tuesday when the committee gave the chairman the authority to ask the, the legal representative to bring forward a report on the totality or the entirety of the agreement as completed the other day. Okay. And that's, that's no more than we can decide okay, uh, then on you... Tuesday. Any talk beyond that, I mean, Simon Coveney writing to the committee, it was unprecedented. I think it was interference. Um, but there'll Martin be no Hayden side dialogue e. between you Martin and him. Martin okay. looking for an EU legal expert. If, if that didn't suit him, they'd probably want a UN expert. Okay. So I don't know where this okay, is going to It'll be completed on Tuesday. I want to ask you about this story in the Sunday Independent saying that uh, an email was written by you, uh, sent from the Fianna Fáil me- leader's office, Micheál Martin, and um, you set out the party's position. And it effectively, according to this story, says that if there's a breach of a deal on water, that notwithstanding what might happen down the road in processing precise legislation, say in the autumn, that you might not vote for a new Fine Gael leader as Taoiseach. Could you first of all clarify, is the email true and is the import of it correct? I did send out an email. I did uh, want to inform all the parliamentary party of the situation to date and of the circumstances which brought us to the situation that we're at presently. I think that was only fair and appropriate for me to do so in the obligations I have, having been given that role by the party leader. Secondly, if, for example, the Dáil were to ratify the, the report uh, next week, there is provision for there to be a month by which legislation has to be forthcoming or a Dáil has to take, the Dáil vote has to take place. And there has to be goodwill on the part of the government to commit to provide the legislation, rather to leave it hanging in the air and posturing taking place between various candidates in their efforts to become leader of the Fine Gael party about what they'll do with a Dáil recommendation. They must oblige and honour the Dáil who represents the people in its efforts to bring about a, a credible solution to this problem so as to allow us to get it off the table and get the dead cat off the road and deal with housing and deal with Brexit and deal with the issue in relation okay. to... The question is, if they, do do. That, if they don't do that, if they don't do that, and, and if, they, if a nomination for a new Taoiseach comes before the Dáil and that's not signed off on, are you saying that Fianna Fáil will not support I'm the election Ivan, of a new Taoiseach? I'm saying, Ivan, if it were such that the government give a clear indication that they will not carry out the expressed wishes of the Dáil in relation to the recommendations contained in the report if it receives a majority on the day in which it's voted. Well, then there's no point in us hanging around waiting for a leader to be, for, to be elected by Fine Gael. But what I am saying, that there is, there is room and space for them to give a commitment to bring forward legislation in, 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 in an effort to accommodate the wishes of the committee. And they can do so, and if there's issues that arise out of that, they can be debated, analysed and scrutinised within the door, which is the right so, form. So for a simple person for like me, that sounds like an explicit threat of a general election it's unless not, Fine Gael endorse the committee's findings. Is that correct? Yes or no? I'm, I'm, simply, I'm simply reiterating what's contained within the agreement that we have with Fine Gael and the competence and supply arrangement for them to honour and to seek to bring about legislation to give effect to the wishes of the Dáil. Any deviation from that compromises the agreement we have with them and it's a matter for the parliamentary party and their leaders to accommodate the result of that discussion thereafter. So just so we're clear, because this time last week the word was over the Garda Commissioner you did not want to contrive circumstances that would lead to a vote that would cause a general election. On this issue, you are prepared for an election. 
On this issue, I'm saying that the government and the Fine Gael within government have an obligation to meet the recommendations of the Dáil on this issue and to seek to bring forward legislation to give effect to what's, what's contained within it. Any issues they have with it presently, I believe, are, are, are smoke screens because, as I said, even the legal expertise that has been available to the committee has stated categorically that much of the issues around explanations, around definitions, must be contained within the legislation, and it's for legislation to define that. And also in relation to the implementation of fines, where people go over and above the allowance, that there is provision within the 07 Act to improve and strengthen that, but that is a matter for the legislation. It's not something that can be preempted by a committee or by Commissioner Valle or anybody else who hasn't even seen it yet. Um. Barry Cowan, uh, Environment Spokesman, thank you for joining us on Yates on Sunday. Good man, thank you. Uh, thank you. Brendan Ogle, uh, you're the cause of all this problem. Um, tell me, uh, do you think we'll have a general election over this? I think it's entirely possible uh, that there will be a general election over this. Um, because what's really at issue now um, is whether Fine Gael, um, through Simon Coveney, are prepared to adhere to the wishes of the electorate as manifest in the 2016 election, as manifest in the election of the 32nd Dáil, as manifest in the evidence of the Expert Water Commission, and now as manifest in the report that I have in my hand, uh, the draft working document from the Oireachtas Committee. Um, We accept, and everybody accepts, first of all, as Noel said earlier, uh, that water has to be paid for. I wore a T-shirt at the Right to Water demonstration yesterday, which had on the front of it, we already pay. So it's not about whether it has to be paid for, and and, in fairness, Noel didn't say that, it's about how it's paid for. Um, So... We accept that Fine Gael have a position. Fine Gael are a party which lost over one third of its seats in the last general election. Fine Gael have 50 seats, not 100 seats. Fine Gael are a party uh, who can get the votes of just less than one in five of the people entitled to vote in this country. So they have a position. They're entitled to have a position, but they're not entitled to dictate a position. And we have a, a bizarre situation now where Simon Coveney has... I think uniquely himself appointed the chair of the Oireachtas Committee, Parik O'Hikeda. He didn't leave it for the committee to choose its own chair. He appointed Parik O'Hikeda. He wrote the terms of reference himself. And now because he doesn't like the outcome of the committee whose chair he appointed, whose terms of reference he writ, he is now writing to the committee, refusing to carry it out because he doesn't like the outcome. How, between expert commissions, Oireachtas committees, elections, uh, dolls, how many people have to tell Simon Coveney that they do not agree with him on this issue and to get on with the rest of his portfolio and okay. do his job okay. before, okay. before, before, okay. before Neve, just on that, democracy rules. I, I want, I I want to get to the, the substance of the water issue, but on that. I think, Ivan, to be fair, I don't think we're looking at a general election on this issue. Okay. I, I think if you look at the substantive differences which are at the heart of what the committee is currently disagreeing about, compared from where the water issue actually started... I think they're quite small. And the issue has been, from my point of view, is that water issue, notwithstanding what Noel said about the need to pay for water, has been the tripwire of the new politics. Okay, It's the issue which makes 
the left cohere when in, in most of the new politics they're, they're fighting with each other a lot and it's the issue which makes the civil war detente break down completely. It's like the civil war is back on this week and in a sense and I agree with Barry Cowan here it has been the posturing around the Fine Gael leadership race which you know Simon Coveney was very ably goaded <coughs> by Leo Vragkar last week and he bit he fell for it and you've had all this unravelling because of that when actually if you look at the substance of what's in the committee and what they're doing they're not that far away from well, agreement. No, I, well, put it like this. I'd like to, I, I take your point mm. that it may not precipitate an election, but I, I want to put it to you, Brendan. There's a lot of people, and this is covered very amply in today's mm. papers, if you read Colin McCarthy mm. and all, saying, and, and reading Dan McConnell yesterday in the Irish Examiner, that all of this is lunacy. That, you know, for example, you worked, I remember, in the ESP. Mm. Why not have a right to electricity uh, mm. free in terms of it is a basic right. Mm. You cannot run a household without it. And, and you know, the sum total of what you're saying is this. Okay. And, and this is serious. Well, this well, is a serious point, which is this. In 2008, if you're saying it comes out of central taxation, mm. in 2008, the total tax take from income tax, two million people at work then and now was 12 billion. Today, it's 20 billion. And, and and we pay at 33,800 the top rate of tax. To put everything on the burden of pay packets surely is not good economics and it just isn't fair in terms of the way everyone else operates in terms of water being a public utility. Well, I'm glad you put it exactly as you've put it because it gives me a chance to address the fundamental issue at the core of this debate, which is tax. To, to, to present the tax issue in the context of income tax is a con job. There well, are three that's central taxation. No, 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 it's no, the no, largest no, tax. Come on, please, let yes, me respond. Yes, yes, yeah. Let me respond. There are three types of taxes. Income taxes, consumption taxes on goods and services that we buy, and taxes on wealth and capital. In terms of income taxes, we pay the EU, the EU average. In terms of taxes on, 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 on services that we buy, your stat figures, 2014, we pay the EU average. In terms of taxes on wealth and capital, we pay 7.7%, where the rest of the EU pays 22.2%. We pay one third of the EU average. So there is an issue about tax. We do need to expand the tax base. But to do as Alan Kelly seeks to do now, uh, a person who's got his own hand in this debacle um, over the last week to present it as if somehow the working man and the working women no, but no, we no, do hit finish. the top rate of income tax at a lower threshold than anyone else the in the The reason why we hit the top rate of income tax is because we don't collect the right, the correct amount of tax from, from wealth and capital, we collect 7.7% when the Germans, the French, the Belgians, the, 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 the rest of the European Union collect 22.2%. Okay. Why, 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 why not have free electricity then? Hold on a minute now. Well, well, that's a debate we will have. And I've debated You're in favour of that too. No, no, hold on a minute now, Ivan. Water is a human right. Water needs to be invested upon. No businessman. No businessman would stay in business if it had a business leaking 47% of its assets and they then spent one billion euro on meters, consultants, well, solicitors... Well, some would say meters ad- help cause conservation. Me, me, there's no evidence that meters have okay. fixed any leaks. They're okay, I don't want to give Noel a go here no before leaks. we go to the a break. The leaks are increasing. No, no, Noel, on, on the first principles uh, of this... Uh, do you take my point about if everything's a human right, what's a responsibility? Everything is a human <laughs> well, right. you see, the, 
There's a lot of talk about uh, rights and none about responsibilities and that's uh, part of our difficulty. I just even see in, in some of the recommendations being made by the committee, we're now going to have a referendum to enshrine Irish water and public ownership. No, not Irish water. Now, now what, that's what, wrong, what, what kind just, of, I'll give you another chance, Karen. Where, where, where are we going uh, with, with this kind of an approach to everything? Um, they're talking as well about ensuring equal funding for urban and rural d- dwellers uh, in in relation to that water. That implies a public right. subsidy in, for rural in, people. In water, yeah. And right. so, for a like, all, my kids for are, all my kids are out of education. They're all gone through uh, universities or third level or whatever else. Why should I subsidise everybody in a university at this stage? You know, am I going to get a subsidy back because I'm not availing of those services? That defeats the whole purpose. So not only it. will we have a refund of 162 million for those who paid, but actually there could be a public subsidy for everyone who doesn't have a public who, who supply. Does, but Ivan, I think you're taking the taxation issue out of the context of okay. what's happened in the last five or six years since we had a crash, right? In that we did actually have, prior to the whole water debacle, the introduction of a new property tax, yeah. which is much more and significant sorry, than what the actually, water charges are. Actually, I've always said that's the way it should have been financed. Which was, which was taken on board by ordinary okay. people. So, you know, taxes have increased. Um, I, I think that there has... taxes need... In, no, no, I'm not saying... Have, that have, have increased much more substantially that we have people yeah, on 33... Yeah, from, or 33... From and we allowed a heavy hitter. Ask you about the EU directive. We've got a lot of talk about the committee. We're looking for lawyers and all. What's your understanding of our obligations under the EU directive? Like uh, uh, Brendan referenced Alan Kelly, and he's saying what's now being proposed is illegal. What's your I'll, take I'll on that? I'll put it as simply as I possibly can. We fought for two years. I fought as minister because it was government policy at the time not to introduce uh, in that European directive direct water charges for domestic users. We eventually got what's called the Irish Clause in that, which said you pay for the water in accordance with existing practice. Once we moved, and we didn't have, uh, unlike every other country in Europe, once we, we, we didn't have domestic water charges, and at that stage, as long as we maintained, as long as we maintained that, we were okay. We introduced water charges in 2014. It's my view that the EU will now come very heavy on us to make and sure. And is that, that particularly in relation to excessive use? No, it was in in relation to domestic use. Um, but I think we've moved away a little bit from the point that you were raising with Barry Cowan, uh, which is: is there going to be, or will there be an election? I noticed both of the major parties kept saying during the week, uh, "No, nobody wants an election. The public don't want it. We don't want it." I think, and there's a fair reflection in today's papers from Pat Rabbit and various others, I think there's a fair number of people out there now that have looked on this farce for the last uh, three or four weeks. Well, in particular, the last three or four weeks and have said... To hell with this. Okay, well, we're going it. to we're going to come back to that uh, dysfunction. You're listening to Yates on Sunday. It's a pleasure to have in studio Noel Dempsey, Brendan Ogle, and Neve Hurricane. Coming up in another week, as well as water. So another review or another report on the Guardi. I received the 
final report. A review of Guide ship on it. An independent root and branch review. Uh, a root and branch reform of the structure. Reports from GSOC. The appointment of a judge to deal with this. The Guard Inspectorate. For the Commission of Investigation. The Policing Authority. Uh, a legal panel. Or commissions of investigation. Including uh, the most recent report from the Gather Inspectorate. That's at the heart of this report. The hundreds of recommendations in various reports into the Garda Shikona. Welcome back, Ivan here. We're talking to Noel Dempsey, Brendan Ogle and Neve Hurricane. Now, ever since Brendan Ogle came into News Talk this morning, he is literally licking himself. <laughs> Not only with what he calls the 20,000 that were at their victory 40. march yesterday, whatever Plus. it is, tens of thousands at the victory <laughs> march, but he's carrying a piece of glass that weighs about three stone and he's licking himself <laughs> because he won this award in Oxford. What is this about, Brendan? Well... The people of These Ireland, are fellow lefties who love you. The people it? of Ireland won this award. Basically, Right to Water have won an international award um, for, for as the most impactful campaign in 2017. And, and that's probably why we're discussing it's this. It's called Anarchy and in, Chaos in, for in, Ireland. In, in, yeah. in Ireland and Britain. And it's the first time an Irish campaign has won that award. It was nominated among five campaigns. The first Irish campaign to be nominated and the first and the Irish campaign to win it. And it was a public vote. Uh, more, more Britain than Ireland. And okay. I think that's significant. Okay, too. now that you've finished licking yourself, so, what did you want to say about Noel Dempsey? Yeah, <laughs> well, well, first of all, um, in fairness, Noel sets out the history of, of, of water charges quite well. Um, but the constitutional referendum, as proposed by the by the draft committee, is not to enshrine Irish water into the constitution. It's to propo- it's to it's to enshrine the public water system into the constitution. And the reason for that is, since all this began in the 1990s, water has stopped being about water and has started being about an asset class. It's the most profitable af- asset class on the planet outside of financial instruments. And that's what's at the core of this debate. And that's why people, including Fine Gael, uh, want this protected in public ownership to dis- to dispel this idea that it's about giving it to our favourite oligarch or somebody else in New York that Alan but Kelly might know. But is anyone really proposing um, that? Yeah, no, nobody would have the guts to propose it but when the but Troika... When the troika right, no, but, but, yeah, but Ivan, during but, the bailout agreements, yeah. in fairness, I mean, I think the ECB were getting fairly Absolutely. specific about aspects of our infrastructure and utilities that they wanted sold off. So just because yeah. nobody's but getting so, specific Neve, about it today do doesn't mean somebody right? won't at one point. That down the road, whatever mission this new politics agrees with this that we could face EU fines that's a bit of a banana republic well I'd be perfectly honest Ivan I I think the issue whereby we're willing to basically face down the EU when it comes to issues like tax of large corporations but we run and hide under the table when it comes to <coughs> EU fines for water. There's a oh, slight a bit double thing going on in terms of the government sorry, position on the EU. Those corporations don't have to come to Ireland. They can go elsewhere. No, no they can't. No. But we, when, we, when it comes to positioning the European Union as this big bogey that we must all be afraid of but we're willing to face them down to accommodate large corporations yeah. but not to accommodate ordinary people who may struggle to pay for water charges. I think that's yeah, a problematic yeah. And is one that is going to help okay, Brent and get more people out the you. street. Final the, point, EU have, the EU have the EU have have outlawed our, our collection of VRT since two thousand and two. We don't have a problem with that. Okay. So, so the EU, the EU argument, it's a, it's a matter for the European Court of Justice, not Alan Kelly. I might respect not you and all, or not anybody in this studio. That's way down the line. Are we a sovereign democracy, or does okay. Phil Hogan rule? I want Brussels? to move on to the family report, but but just Noel, you and I are of the same vintage, going back to the eighties and politics. There were PAYE marches before and so on. But the effectiveness of the Right to Change campaign, if you look through the history when Paul Murphy won the by-election that Sinn Féin was expected to win in Tala, how Fianna Fáil then looked over its shoulder at the growth of Sinn Féin, 
Is there a race to the bottom in Irish politics from where you stand? Well, it seems very much like there is, but um, the the most recent, and uh, I, I can't say I disagree with the the conclusion of the the the, the uh, people in relation to the right to water campaign. But if you go back to the eighties, it was Joe Higgins and the Socialist Party in a by-election in 1996. Deja vu. That, that, yeah, it just goes like that. And I think because our political system is as disjoint as, as it is at the moment, that we, okay. we have major problems. On Thursday, 800-page report from Justice Fenley. Now, the former Justice Minister, Alan Shatter, who lost his job at the time in March 2014, was on News Talk Breakfast <coughs> in response to the report on Friday. Here's a bit of what he had to say. When I resigned as Minister following the Gearan report, it was the Taoiseach and the Attorney-General, with whom I'd worked closely, to whom I paid tribute. Uh, I never expected to find myself, as uh, the Fenley reports detail, in a position in which I would give different sworn evidence to that of the Taoiseach and the Attorney-General in a statutory commission of investigation. Uh, Fortuitously, the evidence I gave uh, was believed by Fenley. I gave evidence that part of the uh, mission of the former Secretary General of the Department of Justice, Brian Purcell, when visiting the former Garza Commissioner's home, was to inform him that the Taoiseach may not the following day be able to express confidence in him. The Fenley Commission concluded that that was part of Brian Purcell's message. The Taoiseach, uh, and even more so the Attorney General, denied that that was part of Brian Purcell's message. Uh, so, so clearly... Judge Fenley was confronted with sworn evidence uh, which varied between uh, different colleagues uh, in the, who had been in government together. Um, Neve Hurricane, just to, to reprise that, what he's saying there is, before Fenley, the people in the room on the meeting, the fateful meeting that did for Martin Callan, Fraser, Purcell, A.G., Kenny, and Shatter all gave evidence to Fenley. Indeed. Yeah. It was contradictory and conflicting Indeed. evidence yeah. and Fenley didn't believe the Taoiseach and the AG. Mm. Is their position tenable in such circumstances? This is an issue that's being teased out in a number of papers this morning and Sam Smith in the Mail on Sunday has a particularly good piece actually for me possibly the best piece because obviously the Fenley report and it's round two and the detail has become so intense but one of the issues he flags up and it was a question mark which emerged after the last election for me personally but one that didn't really get a lot of traction in the papers was why did the Taoiseach decide to reappoint the current AG Uh, to her position, given A, what had gone on already and B, the fact that, I mean, at the original time when she was appointed, it was understood she was a Labour uh, nominee and and therefore not necessarily an obvious choice for a a Fine Gael um, Taoiseach. And and Sam Smith is teasing out some of these issues. And one of the things he highlights, actually, is that the relationship between a Taoiseach and an AG is probably the most intimate in government, closer than with a minister for finance. AGs conduct their business in private and nowhere all the bodies are buried. And, And he says that really, you know, in his view, her handling and the Taoiseach's handling and this is a masterclass in how not to manage a crisis in, in government buildings. Um, I, I think the Do you think her position is tenable? I think that's really if, if 
the Taoiseach is willing to back her, I think she will continue to be in place. Um, I mean, he was the, the government have continued to back uh, Noreen uh, and O'Sullivan, and she's still in pace. I suppose the bigger issue, really, Ivan, is whether, in the context of the very, very fragile government that we have, in terms of the confidence and supply, which at the moment seems to be no confidence and lack of supply uh, agreement, um, whether a government can continue to uh, survive when you have, you know, kind of question marks about the performance of very uh, senior players, particularly in the whole area of justice, (coughs) uh, which has been, and I mean, it's this classic culture shift that we're seeing in the whole area, particularly around the Gardaí at the moment, from an older style of operating, which a whole range of behaviours, which historically weren't viewed as corrupt and problematic and in now in many cases are. So the penalty points question is is a classic kind of point here where, where you saw a behaviour where for many years people got their penalty points squared and then this suddenly came to be viewed as problematic. So you're having a culture shift here. The guards are really struggling. Aside from individual, there's a, Justine McCarthy has a great piece on the front page of the Sunday Times today uh, talking about uh, breathalyser tests and a whole range of issues that are emerging around that. You know, it's very hard in the context of a police service that, that where there is a breakdown in trust and I disagree actually Eilish O'Hanlon has a piece today in the Sunday Independent saying well you know the, the Gardaí are not in the same position as the RUC in the North the parallel is not but where there is a parallel I think is a breakdown in trust it's not to the same level as it was in the North but it is there and it does have to be addressed and there are serious question marks now with whether some of the serious players in, in criminal justice are able okay. to re-establish that trust. No, no, we know we don't do accountability in this country, but surely it is of serious import that the evidence of the Taoiseach and the AG has been rejected by Fenley. Yes, I think it is. I, I, I know that we're there, on the one hand there's an awful lot of people that kind of call for resignations left, right and centre for various things and talk about accountability and anything else. But I would have to say in this case if this happened in any other jurisdiction, both those people would be out of office. And, 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 and the I'm, fact and that she, the, the fact that she had to give evidence four times before Fenley suggested there was some inconsistencies. Abs- absolutely, and obviously the inconsistencies were being highlighted and being highlighted to her. And I would uh, say that that they were trying to reach. Uh, some kind of a clear understanding of it. But the fact remains um, not a political point. Uh, we've we've seen even the Fenley report itself generally about the Gardaí uh, errors, omissions, misunderstandings, etc. That's almost et passé at this stage. Almost passé. Uh, <laughs> and it does point to the, 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 the huge problem that's in the Gardaí that is not going to be solved by just asking Noreen O'Sullivan to, to, to resign. Br- Brendan, it's much you, more basic than that. Are you as exercised, apart from reforming society, are you as exercised about issues uh, of telling the truth and kind of ethics and so on? Because uh, it, the, the key point I think Noel made there, we'll just take, if this was in the British jurisdiction, you wouldn't get time to get your coat. Does this type of issue upset you or do you think that's just an Irish way we do things? The farce that masquerades itself as Irish democracy upsets me deeply as an Irish person. Um, Whether that be broken politics, broken media, the dysfunction in society, uh, the breakdown of our public services and and housing and health, whatever it is. Um, And uh, just because I get involved in various campaigns, we'll get involved in other ones as well. Um, Getting back to the Fenley report, 
I think Myra Whelan has three specific problems. The first problem is um, that Fenley questions her judgment. That's the first problem. She was alarmist. Yeah. Mm. Uh, he says there's, there's nothing to support the AG's fears of convictions failing and jails being thrown open and prisoners being released. Um, which and, which and sounded like a, an awful exaggeration yeah, anyway. Yeah, you yeah. Know. And, 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 and Alan Chatter refers to that. So that's her first problem. Fenley questions her judgment. The second problem is Fenley questions her and the Taoiseach's evidence. Or doesn't accept their evidence. The veracity of it. Yeah. So that's a problem. And the third problem is, as Neve has pointed out from, from the Sam Smith article, if it is true, and I accept that it probably is true, that for an AG to, to, to be in office, the closest relationship is with the Taoiseach. The problem Myra Whelan has is the closest relationship she has is with this Taoiseach, who has already announced his imminent departure. Whenever, whenever imminent is, but, it's, imminent but it's soon enough. It's optimistic. Soon, well, it's not, in, it's, not, it's not years away. Um, and that's even if the government survives. And then we've got a leadership battle brewing in Fine Gael. And I read in the paper today that in the Dáil this week, Fine Fáil <coughs> attend to resurrect the events that led to Martin Callanan's sudden retirement. So this is going to become a very, very Because no one issue. believes that he wasn't uh, forced out. No. No. And I'll t- tell you what really interests me, though about this and I was thinking about this in the context of the current commissioner Sorry and, and can I just say there's one other thing about the AG the fact that she knew about this monster and never told Shatter is yeah. pretty like Shatter got <laughs> a raw like I've been a critic yeah, of Shatter's yeah, yeah, or yeah, been likewise. joined at the hip and all that but Shatter got a raw deal on this but the, I, th- but I think Alan uh, and everybody here uh, knows Alan's personality he wouldn't have been the He's know, abrasive. Warm, warm and yes. fuzzy yeah, yeah, feeling yeah. about but, him or yeah. anything else but I think he suffered for that uh, he was isolated. He was kept and, out of the loop, and he was kept out of the loop. But there's there's a technical problem as well, Ivan. Is if you look at the transition that's happened between the the, the very top tier of the Gardaí, whereby the the commissioner reports to the minister for justice, and now that transition is is being moved over to the policing authority, is that technically I don't understand how she could have left. Shatter out of the loop, given his yeah. official position, a constitutional in, in, in position. managing the guarantee. Yeah. I, I mean, from my and I am not a lawyer, but from my understanding of of the legislation, I don't understand how that was tenable yeah. in her. And also, view of the it world. transpires in the Fenley report that a justice official had a letter from Callanan for the minister's eyes only, and it was never given to him. I mean, that was none incredible. Of, none of this, by the way, none of this, and, and and I agree that the position is untenable. I, I think the Taoiseach's position and on this issue and lots of issues, but this issue and the attorney general is untenable and I agree with Noel's statement that, 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 that those offices those office holders would have to retire but none of this changes the fact that Martin Callanan decided to retire for whatever reason but it followed a visit to his to his home by Brian Purcell and I was taught thinking the last week about the situation with the current commissioner um, who I think is all, whose position is also untenable for other reasons but I just wonder what would happen if somebody like Brian Purcell turned up at her home uh, late at night with a message from whoever um, I think so So Martin Callanan made his own decision um, now it looks like the circumstances around it uh, were, were unfair to him that's what it looks like but he did make his own decision and maybe he should have held his ground Yes indeed you're listening to Yates on Sunday our panel is still with us but we're also joined now by Off the Ball's Richie McCormick to tell us about what's in the Sunday sports pages and what's coming up on Off the Ball Richie Yeah loads of the broadsheets have obviously gone with the Masters Sergio Garcia and Justin Rose the joint leaders everything's kind of teed up really nicely for this evening you've got that lead pair on six under par there's shot clear Ricky Fowler who'll play alongside the 2015 champ Jordan Spieth uh, this afternoon this evening over at Augusta and it's just one of those evenings it's just tailor made for 
there's, there's stories everywhere you look. I mean, Spieth won there two years ago. Sergio's never won a major. Uh, Sergio's could win on the uh, birthday of uh, Seve Ballesteros, who would have been 60 today as well. Uh, he would have was one of his great heroes. So there's plenty of different narratives to look at. Sadly, it looks like Rory McIlroy's race is run. Uh, level par for the tournament, six off the lead. Looks like it's not going to happen for him, but... We've seen collapses happen before at Augusta. It does strange things to people, so you never know this afternoon. OK, looking forward to all that. And of course, in the last half hour of the programme, we'll be all sport with Tom and so on. Thanks, Richie. Now, our panel, Noel Dempsey, Brendan Ogle and Neve Hurricane are there, um, here. The final topic we want to cover is the bus strike. Uh, talks are still ongoing in the WRC. Let's remind ourselves of what Ryanair boss Michael O'Leary had to say last week on this programme on issues of public transport and Minister Shane Ross. Thus far, if you look at the way he's handled the bus dispute, I think he's played a blinder. I mean, and he's one of the few ministers that actually have stayed out of those things. And that's what ministers should do, is stay the hell out of it. We deregulated air travel, and it's been one of the greatest successes uh, of the European Union. We should not be involved. The state has no business in running transport because the state is crap at running transport. Noah Dempsey, you were minister for transport for at least four years. What say you? Um, I I think... Both sides have have been very bad in this, in managing this. I think uh, that there's a major problem coming down the line for Bus Aaron in in that you have competition coming in in 2019. Bus Aaron has to get their act together. There are several agreements there that had they been implemented, they were agreed, uh, but they weren't implemented. um, And I, I would blame management for that. I think unions have to be much more realistic. We do need a good public transport system. We need it in in rural Ireland in in particular. Uh, and both sides need to get 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 and hammer that out. You know, talk of an all-out strike. I think uh, unions would be well advised at this stage to look at the change in attitude that there was when. Uh, the strike spread for the admittedly only for the two, four yeah, or five hours. I, I, I that's saw, that's a big danger for the unions. I saw you, Brendan, on the late late show so defending wildcat strikes, unofficial, illegal, <laughs> but you still defend. Them. Oh, you're great with the, you're great with the adjectives. <laughs> I was defending people standing standing by each other and respecting pickets. First of all, on the Michael O'Leary thing, I just see there's an article in one of the papers today. I've put it down that Michael doesn't believe in global warming. So Michael O'Leary doesn't believe in rural transport uh, and, and public transport or global warming, which I think sums it up. Um, Listen, in terms of this dispute, it's in the WRC now. We need to remember that it was the the employer who walked away from the table. It was the employer who made a unilateral decision. They're on on 17 days now. Um, And I have a lot of confidence from my own experience um, in ESB and other transport disputes previously in the WRC, previously the Labour Relations Commission and the people in there are very, very professional people. I have a lot of confidence if both sides accept there is a problem and the unions from everything I've heard do accept there is a problem. Um, The company walked away from the table. So I'd be hopeful in the interest of the workers and their families that that works out. If it doesn't, if it doesn't, I don't believe that there was a massive kickback against last week's um, a- expansion of the dispute. That's what I'll call it, Ivan, uh, last Friday. I believe there was a media kickback. I think the workers are getting massive support uh, throughout, throughout, throughout Ireland, and I think they will again. But really, what my focus at the moment is hoping that the WRC can get this over the line. Uh, Neve, you're saying this highlights the difference between urban and rural approaches. Yeah. And I think it picks up some of what came out of the census this week as well, in the sense that our population isn't really falling. It ha- we have survived the boom and bust and, well, let's hope what is a growth again. But um, what's happening is this increasing urbanisation around Dublin in particular. And um, nowhere, and 
Sean Barrett has a really good technical piece in the in the Sunday Independent today. But nowhere are, is there satisfactory answers to the question of what happens to rural transport in the context of a kind of a what has to can only be viewed as a privatisation agenda, which is operating around bus air and, and and is a part of the framework for this dispute. I was talking to somebody yesterday who's trying to get between two small, medium sized Mayo towns at the moment. There is no private bus route there. They are having to take but a taxi. No, I put it to you, I'm from Wexford. Nowadays, 18 Wexford buses go from Wexford to Dublin and vice yeah. versa every day. Why but what should about the taxpayer... going to Bunclody? No, no, what about going no, sorry, to Gorey? What about going to New Ross? No, this is the but issue. But, but sorry, are you saying the taxpayer should finance a minibus to go it, everywhere? I do. I do. And that's the part of the problem. That's why we have so many rural candidates getting into the doll. And we're going to have more of it and we're going to have more fragmentation until you recognise that it is never going to be as economically viable to run a bus to Bantry as it is to run the dart. But that is unfortunately a fact of living in a, in a large kind of island with this heavy it's urban a si- concentration. It's, a it's called a so society, Ivan. You should cult- try it sometime. Culture cult- cult- rule, okay. Is that what you're saying? Culture rule, Ivan, is going to get a lot stronger. <laughs> and we have a, a dynasty and Kerry that proves that if we don't recognise the, the needs of rural people. <laughs> I'll leave the last word to you. Neve Hurrican, uh, Brendan Ogle and Noel Dancy. Thank you sincerely for being our guests. Yates on Sunday on News Talk. Brought to you by SSE Airtricity Business Energy. Proud to power businesses all over Ireland. Energy at work for you.